Hello, and welcome to Setting the Skeen. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And Tristan, you lazy bum, you skipped out on us again. Dang it, Tristan. But it's okay, because we have a very good friend of ours, uh, you know, no stranger to Vider Media. Um, it's, it's the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Michael Ruiz himself. Hello. It's me. Again. Hey, Mike. Welcome back. Hi. What's up, Mike? Long it's, time no see, man. It's, I'm, I'm good. It's been a minute. I'm glad to be back with you guys. Yeah. What, what have you been up to? How's life in Atlanta treating you? Life in Atlanta's good. Um, I, I go to work. I commute and sit in traffic for a very long time. It's the quintessential urban experience. It's everything you'd ever dream it would be. I, I, oh, and, you're actually, <laughs> and you're I a cat dad. And you're a cat dad. And I'm a cat dad. I uh, I I hear that you've that you've become very good friends with a uh, with a neighbor of yours, Mister uh, Mister Bill Smith. <laughs> yes, yes, Doug. Thank you for mentioning that. I also, um, uh, alongside my friends Ford and Tristan, have a have a YouTube account. Shameless plug. It's called Sad Boris. Um, if you want to get that deep reference, feel free to go down that rabbit hole. It is a. <laughs> It, in and of itself, is a cinematic universe. Well, Doug, uh, it's crazy that you bring up cinematic universes. Pitch one de- right down the middle for you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> why is that important? Well, why, why did I bring that up? Well, Ben, I'm glad you asked, because, y'all, this week, we, in honor of our final review of sep- of excuse me, this is not September, this is December, but more specifically, <laughs> this is December. So, y'all... Hey, there it is. So, y'all, today, we are going to be discussing all things DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, and That's uh, right. We're going to be doing an individual review about every DC movie that has actually, ever existed. Buckle um, up for the next eight hours. Will ever, eight hours. <laughs> we're doing That's conservative, I know. Um, actually, we're just going to do a comprehensive overview of the whole thing uh, and talk about, you know... Why the DC Cinematic Universe has been, you know, a struggle. And, to put you know, things lightly. I, I want to point out really quick that it is called the DC Extended Universe because they are, of course, doing their own thing that is entirely dissimilar to anything anybody else is doing. You know what, Elijah? You're, I think the uh, you're, you're DC Cinematic right. Universe. Uh, I think the DC Cinematic Universe is also the animated universe. I think, I think that's you, the official name for that. No, no, I think it's DC. I think it's actually DC Cinematic Animated Universe. I will Can't look you? it up. I don't know. I prefer but, to uh, think of the DCEU as this CU, personally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ben, would you like to give me some overview? Would you like for me to give some overview about just kind of like these movies that we're going to be talking about? I would love for you to because I'm totally not prepared to do Lovely. That. All right. So, yeah, so the DCEU started back in 2013 with DC's first animated, not animated, why am I not talking right today? Um, with DC's first uh, outing uh, at a uh, collective story with the release of Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, they followed that up with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, back in uh, March 25th of 2016. Yep, only three years between 
uh, film entries. That's okay. Uh, they followed that up with Suicide Squad back in August 5th of 2016, uh, directed by David Ayer, or Ayer, uh, yeah. Uh, then they had Wonder Woman in June 2nd of 2017, directed by Miss Patty Jenkins. Uh, then we had Justice League, directed by both Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. Uh, then we had but mostly Joss Whedon. Mostly Joss Whedon, for now. Um... Uh, and uh, and then we got Aquaman back in 2018, uh, directed by Mr. James Wan. If you would like to hear our thoughts on that, you can check out uh, the uh, now the now extinct uh, podcast. Some jerks talk about movies and hear mine, Ben, Tristan's, and Mike's thoughts on that movie. Uh, then we talked about then DC released Shazam in April 5th, 2019, directed by David F. Sandberg. They followed that up with Birds of Prey in February 7th of 2020, Kathy Yon. And I should mention that... Actually, that is uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Get it right. There you go. Well, excuse me. Um, and finally, I will just point out that though this episode is coming out after Christmas, um... We are recording it before Christmas, so we have not seen Wonder Woman 1984, but that is the current uh, latest film in the DCEU, also directed by Patty Jenkins. That was a lot. Uh, It has yet to grace my HBO Max. Yep, yep. (laughs) The ads for it are all over the place, though. That they are. But, uh, but yeah. The Marvel... The Marvel. The Marvel... (laughs) The Talking DC about segue, then they're not similar the at all. No, not at all. I don't even know why you got confused. Yeah, I mean, how could I? I mean, two universes about superheroes. Uh, one is a multimillionaire uh, philanthropist who has a tech enterprise. I mean, right. One's there's, essentially a god. And right. There's a, there's at least the stars and stripes. I mean, how could that possibly be <laughs> yeah. confusing? Yeah. I will say, just throwing this one out there, that uh, Bruce Wayne, when compared with Tony Stark, probably has a much higher net worth because Wayne Industries is like a very diversified portfolio, whereas Stark Industries is mostly weapons manufacturing. Uh, Bruce just Wayne saying. could also beat up Tony Stark in a fight. 100%, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so really I mean... what it comes down to is net worth. Yeah. So I mean... <laughs> So, I mean, this does raise an interesting point because, obviously, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe starting back in 2008 with the release of Iron Man, DC kind of is not in a great place when they release Man of Steel because they they kind of are going to show up late to the party. Like, they're, they're automatically the odd one out. Um, and it's... It's very interesting because you can see throughout all the films like how they have struggled with that association with the MCU throughout the entire thing. Um, uh, one one thing that became apparent to me in getting ready for this episode was I think one of the ways that DC has tried to really like stick it to the MCU is they focus on how overly destructive superheroes would be like there is so much collateral damage and so much like addressing of the of the collateral damage caused in all of these films um yeah yeah 
And that's and, I mean, though to be fair, Marvel does the same thing with Age of Ultron through Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. But like I'm I'm sorry, I'm just gonna harp on this for just a minute. Because like because like Man of Steel, like Zod almost verbatim just tells Clark, Well, if you killed all of my if you destroyed all of uh, Krypton's hope for survival. Well, then I am going to basically wreck this world into as much chaos as possible. So I mean, he kind of sets up the fact that hey, I'm about to I'm about to mess up some stuff. Um, and then you get that basically as the starting point for Batman v Superman, where. Batman literally just sees all this carnage caused by Superman he and Zod's Metropolis fight. being leveled. Yeah, and then he goes into it. And I feel like Marvel, like, they kind of address the fact that, okay, yeah, we cause a lot of collateral damage. But then they don't really address it after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think, honestly, just to go to your earlier point, Doug, about them kind of getting started not being in a good place when Man of Steel came out, I think I disagree a little bit. I think, and this is purely anecdotal, but I remember at the time there was a lot of goodwill concerning a second expanded universe and like that this one was going to be different. And then you'd mm-hmm. watch it and it's got the blaring Hans Zimmer music and Zack Snyder's involved and Chris Nolan's involved and it's going to be this big thing. I, I think a lot of the issue that they faced with these early movies is they took a one bold, confident step with Man of Steel and then they immediately started second-guessing themselves. And I think the legacy of the Dissu, which is what I'm going with for this episode, <laughs> is they just won't commit. And you have yeah. that with Batman v Superman, where they don't feel like putting in the ground game in order to building up to your big tentpole film. And then you see that in Justice League, where they don't have the cojones to commit to doing the dark and gritty Justice League movie. And then it just it kind of spirals. I, I think that is really the biggest issue is they were starting at a place where I don't think it ever had to end up being what the joke is that this universe is, mm-hmm. but it's, it's from this point on, they, they had a certain num- a level of goodwill in 2011. Man of Steel was not bad. Most people would tell you it's not a bad movie. And then it just fell apart. Some people would say it's a bad movie. Some people um, would say it's a bad movie, but, but most people also think it's one of the better that, ones, but right, most people also don't have a podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people have podcasts nowadays. It's it's kind of the thing to do. I'm a big fan of Man of Steel, and the fact that it was uh, a more dismal Superman movie did that did a really good job of them setting up their universe to be darker and more gritty, grittier Mm -hmm. than the Marvel universe, um, which was a good move. I mean, if you're centering a lot of the action around Batman, his whole thing, you know, he's he's dark and gritty. That's a big part of the Batman recipe. So that was a good decision for them to go that direction. But then I think Michael's right. They couldn't commit to doing that well. And they let that image of the vibe they were going for get in the way, I think, of good writing. Yeah, like, I mean, like, like I, I, completely, I completely agree with where Michael's coming because the entire franchise just... It's tonal whiplash from start to from start to end because, like, I mean, you know, I didn't love Man of Steel. I think it's actually a very boring movie um, uh, with horrible uh, timing and pacing, but, but that's beside the point. Um, 
But, I mean, you know, they said, okay, we're going to make this whole universe, we're going to make it serious. It's going to be brooding. It's going to be heavily influenced by Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but we're, we're going to do this and we're going to stick but to it. But we're not going to let Nolan direct anything. Yeah. Oh, he, he wouldn't want to. <laughs> He wouldn't well, want to step into that. But his fingerprints are all over, at least Man of Steel. Like, well, they are a, all there. I have a pet theory concerning that. Here's my pet theory. We had DC. They were looking at the the Dark Knight trilogy. They were like, we need this for the Disu. And then they went to Nolan, and they were like, hey, Nolan, can we do that? And Nolan's like, I don't want any part of that. No, no thank you. And they're like, well, how do we have the Dark Knight without actually having the Dark Knight? And I think that's the ground zero for, like, what became the tone of the DCEU. And then, I mean, not to get too far ahead of myself here, but, like, and then they just start taking the wrong, like, takeaways from every movie. They put out Man of Steel, and then they're like, well, we need to get there faster. People don't want the slow buildup. And then they do BVS. When they cram everything into one movie, and instead of learning that, hey, we shouldn't have done that, they went, oh, you don't want dark and gritty anymore. Justice League gets the Avengers, but not. And then they just keep taking it's the, the Avengers, wrong but advice. Five times as corny. Oh, but what's, yeah, really, like... what, what's really interesting is that you're absolutely right. They, they almost like pay too much attention to like what the fan message boards are saying. Because you're right, from Batman v Superman to Justice League, they like change everything up. They're like, we're gonna have Joss Whedon direct this, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be all campy and corny and la 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 campy. It's so frustrating. Yeah, um, because but, was, like Batman vs Superman wasn't bad because it was dark. It was bad because it was bad and it had too many things in it. Yeah, but you <laughs> and know, the you, ending was just abysmal. But you know, you also look at BVS, and by and large, I think most people were like, hey. We like Wonder Woman. We're kind of we're kind of here for that casting. And they're like, all right, so what is it? They hate the dark. They love Wonder Woman. Let's make Justice League fun and campy. Let's give Wonder Woman her own movie. Bye, bing, bye, boom. We're in business. Justice League. Every okay, not everyone, but like by and large, like I think people were pretty much like we're pretty much like okay, we like Aquaman. We're going to we're gonna do an Aquaman movie with mixed results, but. We're gonna do an Aquaman movie, and then they're like, "Okay, people liked and Aquaman." It's got guitars. <laughs> yeah, people liked Aquaman. It was fun. It made pop culture references. It did all this. Let's go with Shazam, and yeah, and then I mean, also you look at something like Suicide Squad, and Suicide Squad, Ooh. like everybody was like, everybody was like that piece of movie, piece of crap. But like Margot Robbie, I think most people liked Will Smith as Deadshot. Will Smith was like, I'm out, peace. Oh, yeah. And Margot... I uh, don't blame him. And Margot Robbie was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, no. Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, liked Will is, Smith until yeah. the last third of the movie. There has never been a, a, an instance in a long time for me, and I guess in, in Michael's modern history, where you watch a trailer. Go back and watch the first trailer for Suicide Squad, where you got that, like, the eyes, what in a dream. It's like that creepy thing. You got these dark tones, and it just looked so good. Like, it looked like it was going to be the best movie in the whole thing. And you got David a year, and he had just come off making Fury, which is actually, uh, no holds barred, an incredible film. Really, really good. And then it's just, 
that somebody, some executive was like, it's gotta be campy. It's the Desu. It's campy now. We got Joss Whedon. It's, it's Avengers, right? Yeah. And you know, that's, DC that's villains, it. we gotta have the Joker in there, but we can't do the normal Joker. Yeah. We gotta do something different with the Joker. So give me Jared Leto and make him a gangster. Give He's me Jared Leto. On his forehead. Give me, give me, give me Jared Leto. Let him send used condoms and like dead rats to all of his co-stars. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole thing reeks of studio interference. Like every single movie reeks of studio interference. Yes, uh, but su- my thing with uh, specifically Suicide Squad, but I feel like a lot of DC movies in general, they make really good trailers. But once you actually get to the movie, it's not good. They yeah, literally well, go ahead, go ahead, Elijah. I, I was We've all talked you. over you. Suicide Squad was was going to be a unique comic book film. There hasn't been one of those. They almost did Sinister Six as a sequel to uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two, uh, but that didn't happen. And so Suicide Squad was supposed to be the first big comic book movie where we see quote-unquote, villains as protagonists. Um, of course, the Joker did it again later. Suicide Squad was the the first one, and it should have been good. But just like y'all said, I mean, they just they really messed it up with not committing to the right vision or any vision. They all have noted, they all have noted records, too. Like if you go back and look up Suicide Squad reshoots, all of them have had that. And there, there was kind of rampant in the industry at the time. This is also when Rogue One was coming out, and that underwent major, major reshoots. And, like, that one came out mostly okay, so people kind of didn't mind. But, yeah, it just seemed like all the studios were petrified. It was like Marvel was the elephant in the room, and what do we do to get at Marvel by any means necessary? We will interfere and change everything to do it. What's up? It's your old pal Ben, and I'm here to interrupt the show with some announcements. First, I just want to thank each and every one of you for taking some time out of your day to listen. Uh, I hope you've had a great holiday season, and I'm glad that you decided to wrap it up with a good old podcast. Now, on to the announcements. Uh, Like I mentioned last week, we are partnering uh, with MP Theater Group in January to do a live show. Uh, Check it out. Uh, It will be on Saturday, January 16th streaming from MP Theater's Facebook page and our Facebook page. Be sure to keep an eye out for it. Now, if you're looking for more ways that you can support us, well, you're in luck, because I've got plenty of ways. The best and easiest thing you can do is just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on listening. Take the show, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, share it with anyone you come into contact with, anyone whose air you share. Uh, Some other things you can do, you can... Uh, go on to whatever streaming service you're listening to. Leave us a rating and review. Uh, you can uh, sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash fightermedia. Get access to all of our bonus episodes, which, by the way, we're dropping one this week. Be sure to keep an eye out for it. Uh, you can check out our merch store at vitermedia.com slash merch. All sorts of things. Follow us on social media at vitermedia. There are so many ways. And if there's something else you want to see that, that you think of, let us know. Now, that's all I've got this week. Be sure to check out all of the other Vider Media products we're putting out. Um, a lot of them are on hiatus right now with the holidays. Um, but be sure to check them out when we restart them in January. And until then, y'all have a great rest of your week. Now let's get back to the show.
And I think something that's just so frustrating is the fact that they are set up so well because they have had a good director lined up to direct every single one of their movies. They have had very talented actors ready to portray the characters in all of their films with the exception of Jai Courtney and Jared Leto. <sighs> um, and they have had, like, great cinematography and those, yeah. every single one of those films gets killed on the cutting room floor. They get killed in the editing room. That's it. Uh, since you brought up Jared Leto's Joker, and I guess technically I brought it up, but since you mentioned it again, I do want to say this. I am happy that they actually did do something different with the Joker. Like, I personally don't hate the Joker. Uh, I don't think we got enough of him in the movie to really formulate a valid opinion about him. Because he's in essentially about five minutes of the movie. And doesn't do much. To, except for shoot somebody and break Carly Quinn out of the Suicide Squad. And and then he goes down in the helicopter and that's it. His, yeah, like his whole appearance feels like a reshoot. Like it feels like right. he was not supposed to be in the movie in the first place. Uh, originally he was supposed to be... I think originally he was supposed to be like the main villain yeah. of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I think I think and then that was they the... were like, no, let's do the Enchantress. Let's well, do Cara, uh, Cara Delevingne. Well, I think I think Ben, I think you touched on it because they made or Mike, one of y'all made a really good point because the original trailer for that is great, and I think the reason that so many people were mad at the fact that Jared Leto was such a letdown in the movie is because they really pushed that, hey, Jared Leto is going to be a major part of this movie. The Joker is going to play a major part. And like Mike said, they listen way too, mo too much to, like, outside opinions, and they destroyed the movie in editing. They were like, okay, people aren't really crazy about the look of the Joker, so let's just... Let's cut his roll down to nothing. Let's do reshoots with Cara Delevingne, because I'm pretty sure... Yeah. I think she was in the movie originally, but I think she was, like, a much smaller role. And it was it was all in real time. Like, we, we were all out there, and we saw the trailer. Like, the cool ass day in a dream. And we're like, oh, sweet, the Dessous is getting good again. And then, like, a few months later, you get the Bohemian Rhapsody. Just kidding, it's a great fun time. Here we go, happy fun times camp. And, like... Oh my goodness, it's it's so much overindulgence in the fans. I think a lot of that has to do with like fandom itself getting big. Disney's a big um uh does this a lot with Star Wars. Whole other I was about subject. to say, look at the it's sequel trilogy. <laughs> listening too much to feedback, not committing to an artistic story, having no integrity artistically, and just after setting up such an interesting thing and that's I keep going back to it cuz like it could have been so good. We could have had a Superman movie, a Batman movie, a Wonder Woman movie, an Aquaman movie, maybe a Flash movie, and then go into Justice League around now, like 2020. And it would have been okay, but I they just felt so much pressure, I guess. I don't know, but they every chance they could, they flaked and went with the easy, quick route that they thought would make the most sense. And in the long term, it's done nothing but poison the brand. And... And also, I mean, by the time Justice League came out, two Avengers movies had already come out. So, I mean, I think it's definitely DC was like, oh, we do not want to fall behind. We need to get our ensemble movie out now. Well, I mean, by, by the I think time, originally it wasn't supposed to even be released until closer to 2020. Well, I mean, by the time BVS came out, there were two Avengers movies out. Like, Age of Ultron came out in 14. 
I think Civil War came out in 15. I think Civil War came out in 15. Uh, yeah, which was I think BVS the was 2014, movie. and then Justice yeah, League was 16 or 17. No, yeah. BVS was 16. Oh, then okay. Justice League was 17. Yeah, um... Yeah, and, like, I mean, Mike, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, they had so many great ideas. And I... One thing that really hit me today while rewatching some of these movies uh, is in Justice League... If you if you know me, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Henry Cavill as as Superman, but in Justice League when he looks at Batman and is like, "Do you bleed?" and like he's about to kill him. A terrible line, but that did make me think, I would love to see a cinematic villain Batman. I would love to see Injustice um Injustice put on the big screen. Like, I would be here for that. Oh, yeah. I would also yeah. highly recommend that you make it R-rated, but that's that's it's, just personal yeah. preference. I don't think Ben Affleck's Batman could do that, though. Yeah. And no. It's frustrating because it's it's really caused the audience at large, writ large, I guess, um, particularly when you're talking to fans, to conflate darkness with badness, which is annoying because, again, it could have been good. Darkness is not necessarily bad, but because all their movies ended up being crap like this anyway... Like, when I'm watching BVS and you have scenes like um, Batman's like, your parents buster, you were raised by your parents who loved you very much, or my parents died in a gutter for no reason at all. Like, it's it's ham-fisted, but, like, there's really cool, interesting things in there to, like, diametrically oppose Batman and Superman and just have it be, like, this much more intense look at the characters as opposed to whatever the hell we ended up getting in Justice League. Yes. But because the movie's bad they go oh they don't want the dark no mo oh no Zack snyder's daughter died let's take this opportunity to completely destroy his movie as he steps away for a completely valid and personal reason yeah Um, yeah let's not you know put everything on hold till he comes back nope we need to get this out before or at the uh, very marvel puts out another avengers movie or at the very least hire a director who's just gonna finish the film that he had already made just finish it. I, I feel like that still would have been a disservice. So um, that um, that's actually very similar to what happened to the Hobbit movies. We're not here to talk about those. Um, but if you guys know anything about what went into those movies, it's it's very similar to what you just described. And those movies did not turn out good. It, wasn't that Guillermo del Toro? That originally it, originally yeah. it was, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. That's very, very sidebar on this one. But it's like the only film trilogy that I've ever seen that, like, normally you have to cut out so much from a book. There was there was no more book to use, and so they just made <laughs> they crap used up. Everything, yeah, they just started yeah. making crap up that didn't make any sense. Anyway, different podcast. That episode. sums up Justice League <laughs> making crap up. Oh honestly. yeah, honestly, I I could swing that back in easily. What the hell is Justice League? I I this isn't a review of Justice League. I have never been more disappointed, frustrated, and angry at a film than when I walked out of Justice League. Same. It had no integrity. It was a studio sanitized piece of garbage. It, it made no sense. It flowed terribly. Joss Whedon kicked into just straight stupid jokes and misogyny. Oh, like, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, Mike. It, oh, you're it, a fan it, of truth? Well, I am too. I also like justice. But, I mean, Mike... And, I mean, Mike's absolutely right. Because when I watched Justice League, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was... The biggest thing that I was insulted by was the fact that 
I love the Wonder Woman movie. I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I I loved her in her own movie and in BVS. I thought she was a great character. I thought she brought a great dynamic. She is horrible in Justice League. Like she she literally plays a ditz the entire time in that movie, and I hate it. I despise it. Also, I, I do want to just make this point, and I told Ben this uh, last week, but uh, but when asked about their experience with this movie, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in uh, Justice League, he said he was like, you know, you know, I feel like Cyborg's big moment in that movie is when he says booyah at the end because that's such a Cyborg moment. That's Cyborg's thing is booyah. And Ray Fisher said, and I was sitting in the premiere, and I said booyah, and I was like, I did not deserve that booyah. And I was like, I was like, you're absolutely right. Great performance. Like, I mean, I think you did a great job, but I was like, absolutely right. I mean, you did a great job given what he was given. Given what he he was was given. Like, I mean, he performed the character. He performed the character well. But I was like, that sums up the whole movie. You did not deserve your booyah. Yes. Right. It was not earned. You have to earn that booyah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love about Cyborg is, like, that. yeah, yeah, like, he is this super fun character, great personality, you know, booyah! But he's also this super dark character, which is what we see in Justice League. Like, this guy essentially died, and then his dad used uh, the Mother Box, which I feel like did not really get a great explanation in the movie, to rebuild his son, so he's got like this, um, the, like uh, this thing from he's this more machine Doomsday now world. than man. Thank you, Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, um, he's got this essentially Doomsday world technology that's living inside of him, and he has to learn to live with that. Like it's such an interesting. Mo- we should have gotten a cyborg movie at least before we got Justice League. Yes, yeah, because he is such a deep character. That you just throw him in Justice League and you're just like, wait, what? Yes, it, is he a robot? Where, what? What is? What is he doing? How can he do all this? It was a waste of Cyborg. It was right. it, they they threw him in there, but it felt like they were throwing him away. And so right. I don't think he earned that booyah. And I agree, Mike. I've said many times I've never been more disappointed with a movie than Justice League. And the thing is, I went into it pretty sure it was going to be bad because of where the disue was headed already. But, man, it was disappointing. And the worst thing about that movie was freaking Superman. Absolutely. Every, after they revive him from the dead, every single scene that he is in, I'm like, put him back in the grave. Just put him back. <laughs> we don't need him. We don't want him. Put him back. He's infuriating. Dang, Elijah. He's the one character that is the most developed in your whole disue. And you're just going to act like you could change him. And he's not the same character. And he's magically completely different and says things that he would never say before any of this moment would have ever happened. Do you no, bleed? You're freaking kidding me. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Best line of dialogue in all of film. <laughs> How did it feel coming back? Well, itchy. That was so awful. <laughs> that was so awful. I forgot that happened. 
you you also had the second greatest can line in all of film. Can you undo that? Can we? You 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 also. Oh, but Mike, it gets better because you also have the second greatest line in all of film history, which is, "You smell good." Did I not before? Yep. That's another thing. They freaking Joss they freaking destroy away, away with him. They destroy the character of Lois Lane in Justice League because yes. I'm sorry, Lois Lane by and large is a terrible character. Like I mean, but Amy Adams' portrayal in Man of Steel is phenomenal. Like oh yeah, she is so good. She is my high point for that entire movie is Amy Adams, Lois Lane. And I see her in BVS, and I see her in Justice League, and I'm like, you blew it. You blew, it. You blew yeah. it. Yeah, they destroyed Lois Lane, they destroyed Superman, they destroyed Cyborg, arguably the other heroes as well. Um, and I mean, I feel like the other heroes, they just like, well, you're here, but we're not going to explain much about you quite yet. Right. So just kind of hang out in the background till you get your own movie. Which is scattered and nonsensical and then a lot of people think they also destroyed lex luther uh, that was bvs but they did destroy lex luther oh you're right that was that was bvs so yeah i was gonna say i don't uh i don't dislike that guy i'm blanking on jesse the eisenberg. actor's name jesse eisenberg. yeah i don't dislike him as a villain but i do dislike him as that villain I go back I, and I wish forth he was with just his a lex villain luther. that wasn't named lex luther and yeah. i think he would have yeah. been fine literally Absolutely. i mean if, if he was like a completely original villain, like I would have bought it. I would have been yeah. fine with it. I mean, for me, it's kind of like Jared Lodo's Joker. It's a different take on that character, and I can't fault them for going in a different direction. I don't think everything he does quite lands. But honestly, I don't hate Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Okay. I don't hate I really it. It's don't. just kind of it's different for different sake, and that's the biggest issue I have with that's Lodo's fair. Joker. It's that's like fair we don't want to do the thing that's been done before. And it's like, you could do different while it being very similar. Like we'll get into this. I'm sure. But Joaquin's Phoenix's Joker is somewhat similar in that he's still dark and a little nutty, but it's a different take. Like you don't, it's a different that's the Joker. You, it still has to be the Joker. No matter what you end up doing, it still has to be the Joker. I think and like they, they push the boundaries of that with Lex Luthor and the Joker. They're like, this is basically not that character at this point. I think, uh, kind of jumping off of the point of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I mean, I I will say that even though DC was, like, coming into the Extended Universe game late, um, even though they were coming late to the party, they also kind of hosted the party at the beginning. Because you have to, you have to remember, like, DC put out the first successful superhero movies like Christopher Reeves for hundreds of people is the only Superman Michael Keaton is still a number one uh, response for Batman or Christian Bale who came out less than a decade less than 10 years before BVS and um, we can't forget Val Kilmer yes, yes we can, we can. Um, <laughs> can we forget George I mean, Clooney? George I mean, Clooney? No, we, we forgot him too. And you know what else? Adam West. I was about to say, Adam West you can't forget. But I mean, and then in terms of like characters like the Joker, I mean, you have Jack Nicholson, you have Heath Ledger who defined the role 
for years, and now you have Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I mean, DC... I do not envy their casting directors at all, because they are coming back to characters so much more often than Marvel is. Um, so, I mean... How, how do y'all think that the DCEU, in terms of casting, like, how did they stack up with their portrayals of the characters that are canonically in the DCEU when compared with older or more well-known versions? I mean, personally, I think with a lot of their characters, they try to do a different take on what is generally seen as the character. Like, take Aquaman, for instance. Uh, traditionally, Aquaman is this... Uh, kingly type, very loyal to Atlantis, uh, you know, orange, orange suit, clean shaven. And then you you bring in Jason Momoa. Who is? Who, a beautiful man. Cal Drogo. Uh, doesn't wear a shirt. Cal Drogo, long hair, beard. Uh, not really into the whole, you know, being king thing quite yet. Um, but... Personally, I love him as Aquaman. Oh, I, I think love he brings a much different Aquaman. energy. Uh, I think he makes Aquaman interesting. Because <laughs> personally, I'm not a big Aquaman. I, I adore yeah. Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I, I'm sorry, but one of the high points of the DC uh, Cinematic Universe, the DCU, uh, one of the high points for me is at the beginning of Aquaman's movie when he breaks into that sub and <laughs> he's just like, permission to come aboard. <laughs> well it's it's very hit and miss i guess if you're trying to talk about the whole thing like generally the dissue it's like i don't know like henry cavill good solid casting i think any issue with that comes from the direction i think he is perfectly capable of playing <clears throat> superman ben affleck as i don't know i like that's that. i answer. like every Bat time someone says ben i just go ah. i like yeah, well, is something else. after christian bale uh bat fleck feels like several steps down uh, Bat, see, after Christian Bale, after Christian Bale, Batfleck feels like several steps up for me. Well, see, here's the for thing. me, <laughs> I, I think my opinion of uh, Christian Bale's Batman went down a lot with The Dark Knight Rises. Oh I, yeah, I was not a big fan of it, uh, and I like the idea of you know Batfleck being like an older, like more uh, disgruntled towards the world Batman. Um, I think Batfleck has the unfortunate reality of being followed by Robert Pattinson. And no matter what ends up happening in that movie, Robert Pattinson is going to destroy it because he's a Joaquin Phoenix type. So I just feel for him. I feel for Batfleck. I'm curious to see how he would have done in his own film. Because he's only in um, ensemble films. So I don't feel like he really gets much of a, a chance to shine. And then in the two ensemble films that he's in, I think he plays very different characters. Mikey, because Batman and Batman v Superman is not Batman and Justice League. Oh, I think agreed. I think that Batfleck's biggest thing is that he plays a very good Bruce Wayne. Oh, absolutely. I think he plays a very good Bruce Wayne. I think Batman is kind of up in the air, but I think his Bruce Wayne is spot on. Um. And then, you know, I think I think the DCEU also did some, like... I think they did some really good things. Like, with the characters of Wonder Woman or Shazam, characters which, by and large, like, for the majority of their lifespan, have been just... 
like, Wonder Woman kind of goes back and forth between whether or not people perceive her as, like, a serious character or just, like, just, like, a trope character. Or a um, woman in skimpy clothing. Or a woman in skimpy clothing. Um, and then you also have a lot of people who are like, no, uh, it's the... Man, what's her name? Linda... She played Wonder Woman in the TV show. She's the principal in Sky High. Um, Linda Carter? Linda Carter, yeah. You have some people who are just like, nah, Wonder Woman is Linda Carter with the roller skates and the twirling and the yada, yada, yada. But I think Gal Gadot brought a real, like, elegance to it. And also, uh, incredible, like, fierceness and, like, ferocity to it. Absolutely. And then you have someone like Shazam, who was marketed as just a cheap knockoff version of Superman, and I think Zachary Levi freaking killed it, and I think the kid who played Billy Batson freaking killed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I was a little cautious about Zachary Levi being the character uh, before the movie came out. Just, uh, I think mostly because just my idea of Shazam was essentially just knockoff Superman. Um, but I think Zachary Levi does a good job of, you know, making the character his own. I think Zachary Levi definitely has a type that he plays. <clears throat> and I think Shazam very much falls into that he, type. He plays type. He he plays up the type. Um, but I, I think he does a really good job. Uh, the casting that intrigues me the most uh, is actually in one of my least favorite DC movies, Suicide Squad. Yep, I was hoping we would get to Suicide Squad that casting. that movie is... Honestly, I think it's incredibly well cast. Agree. Uh, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, amazing. Will Smith is Deadshot, mostly really good. Viola Davis as Amanda Waller is perfection. Yes. Absolutely perfect. And there, in my opinion, there is not a better casting in the Dissu. Okay, yeah, I feel you on that. Um, and I feel like, man, of of all the actors whose names were sullied, whose reputations were sullied by being in one of these horrible DC movies. You brought down Viola Davis? How right. dare you? Although I do think she's coming back for The Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, she is. She is. Which, honestly, good. <laughs> yeah. I I do kind of wish they brought back Will Smith's Deadshot, because I think Will Smith's Deadshot has the coolest introduction of any character in a DCEU movie. Mm-hmm. Literally just when he's at the shooting range, I think it's... Oh, yeah. I, I just think it's so... I love seeing Will Smith playing an effortlessly cool guy because he's very good at it. He is effortlessly cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the DC movies, there's just a lot of good things in there just kind of stirred together in a recipe that tastes awful. Right. Yeah. And I think it's worth kind of branching into the, the back half of it now because I, I think we've really covered everything 2018 or so, but then they were like, you know what? Fine. You're getting your solo R-rated films now. How do you like that? Yeah. And I think that's giving us a little bit of a new hope when it comes to DC. Maybe. I don't know where it's going to, but for now, with Joker and... I didn't like the Harley Quinn movie. I don't. But especially with Joker and then this new Batman movie, like we might be getting somewhere good again. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there are reasons why there hasn't been a Justice League 2. I think DC knows that, yeah, this didn't go well. 
So we're going to try the Snyder Cut, see if people like that, and we, then we might just make that canon. You know, the Snyder we'll Cut is such an interesting, in, like an interesting microcosm of this whole thing, where you have a movie that was so bad, and it was so publicly redone and completely remade, and so publicly ripped away from the one person who started the Dissu, and it was his thing from the beginning, mm-hmm. and people made such a fuss about it over so many years that they decided to hand the guy 50 to 100 million more dollars to make his super dark, gritty, four-hour, insane thing. And, like, Justice League miniseries. I, I honestly don't think it'll be good, because I, I've seen every single Zack Snyder, like, director's cut, and the dude should not make director's cuts. But, I mean, <laughs> it's the fact that it exists in the first place. Is, that's just fascinating. That doesn't happen at, anymore. Like, that, that kind of thing does not happen. I... I think it sets a dangerous precedent. I agree. I agree. I think I think that you see this with you see this across Justice League. I think you also see it in Sonic the Hedgehog. Like it is very it is a I think it's a very the dangerous thing, kind of thing when when you are going to always try to please the fans i think we see that in star wars as well now sometimes it's good like i think sometimes yeah, I, I was about to say you brought up sonic i think, I think that's it works in a sonic. good time that you know the creators of the film listened and redesigned sonic i think it works in sonic i don't know if it's gonna work in in um in the snyder cut but i mean we have seen we've seen what the DCEU like listening to your fans and trying to please them all the time is not going to work because because honestly it's like there's too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. Yes. Like your your DC comics have the guts to stand up and make your own movie and own up to its merits. Mm-hmm. Like just just we'll do it. To see- yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I genuinely don't know where they're going. There's the often cited rumor that they're going to do a Flash movie and undo everything. I kind of wish they wouldn't do that. I kind of wish they would just reboot it and move on without some weird convoluted both sides are true, J.J. Abrams Star Trek kind of thing going on. But, I mean, at the same time, I, I think they've started doing some more hits again recently, especially, like I said, with the Joker movie and the, and the Batman movie. It looks like they're really committing to a different tone and they're really like okay clearly the the joint movies were awful so here's your small stripped down cheap low budget relatively speaking r-rated films that are character studies i think it really is interesting because i think it really is interesting to look at the kinds of movies that get really good reviews from people for the dcu because you know man of steel very divisive film by and large um like people were split on it um batman v superman mostly hated justice league mostly hated suicide squad mostly hated but then you get your solo movies like wonder woman aquaman and shazam which were all pretty much box office successes and i think it's worth noting the fact that especially with aquaman shazam you know I think the DCU needs to understand that there's nothing wrong with being just a popcorn movie. There's nothing wrong with just being a fun movie. Because, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, if I have to live in a world where DC only makes solo movies and they're either fun popcorn movies or absurdly dark R-rated movies, I am perfectly satisfied. 
Honestly, same. <clears throat> until you, until you yeah. do a live action adaptation of Apocalypse War, in which case I'm totally there. It needs to be R-rated. Gruesome as all get out. I'm there for that, but they yeah, and they might be making the better play because and there's this thing where everyone's superhero fatigue is coming. Be ready for the superhero fatigue is coming. I I think they they were saying that five years too early. I don't know how much longer you're going to have a general populace keep up with the 50, 60 plus Marvel movies. Yeah. I mean, at some point that'll break. And when it does, if your model on the DC side is just standalones, that might be might stronger in terms of longevity. Yeah, I fully expect a lot of people to just drop off the Marvel train after Endgame because they mm-hmm. did bring you to such a nice place of resolution at the end of that movie. Um, a lot of people uh, yeah, will still I, be into it, but I think a lot of people are dropping off. And yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I, I'm personally like I'll watch it just for various reasons that I'm tied to film. But like as a personal fan, I did not care to see a single thing after Endgame. I still haven't seen the Spider-Man, the one that came after that. It's very good. And, like, I highly recommend it. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I hear it's good, and I'll check it out. But the thing is, at the same time, Disney just recently had their investor event where they announced like twenty. 30 different movies in the Star Wars universe and in the Marvel universe. Just endless, endless Disney plus bingeable shows over tertiary and quartertiary. I don't even know what the term is, characters. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know how much longer that's going to be sustainable. Yeah, it's so talking... I applaud DC for going their own way. Like, they started off going their own way and they were trying to be Marvel and that did terrible. And now they're kind of trying to go their own way again. And I hope they stick with it. Talking about talking about kind of like superhero fatigue, yeah, Mike. I don't necessarily have superhero fatigue. I have franchise fatigue, like yeah, across I, yeah, the board. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, personally, I'm always down for more, you know, standalone stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. like even looking at the Marvel films, my favorite Marvel films are the ones that are the standalone films. Like, I don't honestly really care that much for most of the avengers movies i i mean they're fine they're uh, spectacle but, you know they're spectacle they're right. something to watch but i prefer stuff you know like black panther thor ragnarok like the movies that actually focus on like the individual characters and what they do yeah and there's this versus thing like the big too. ensemble movies that yeah just i mean like uh when y'all said it, it's a spectacle yeah, and there's this huge crossroads they're at, right? So, like, the DC movies of 2021 are coming out simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters. We're still dealing with COVID. Everyone is acutely aware of that. I think most of these studios are betting on the streaming wars to be kind of where the decade is going. And it seems like they're making such anti-theater moves that they're expecting theaters to either completely die out or just become these niche experiences where you're paying more money for a ticket to have more of a, a, a superior experience it includes like drinks and stuff like that. Like that, that seems to be coming back. That's not new for the film industry that happened back in the thirties and forties. And so it feels like they're just hedging on us endlessly sitting there with our mouths agape salivating over the latest uh, Star Wars 21. This time it's that one character that was in the background of Attack of the Clones for this two time seconds. it's the Ooh, kid with the broom. This time it's the kid yeah, with the broom. That's the death sticks guy. And the same goes with Marvel. And it's like, 
I don't know. It makes me really cynical. Like in 2028, is that just what it is? Is you go to work and you come home and you watch your eight mandatory hours of Disney Plus and HBO Max <laughs> in order to keep up? Because at this point, Avengers is no longer airing in theaters because theaters are dead. You're just watching Avengers 7.5, the extended edition. Like, <laughs> where are we going? You know what's you know what's really kind of funny though is that you know we talk about we talk about these franchises not knowing where to end, and at the same time that the dc uh eu has like struggled very much so with like finding its footing and everything like that and where they're going next they just wrapped up an incredibly successful multi-picture franchise i think it's 30 movies deep um in their animated universe uh yep and that's everything from the flashpoint paradox through apocalypse um, war apocalypse war uh, creates <clears throat> this super in-depth um, universe. And you actually get a good backstory for Cyborg. You get a good backstory it for pretty much every single character. And they get super weird and super out there, but they also get very intimate and very just mm-hmm. good and deep. And it's so... I think that's the reason that the DCE frustrates me on such... A deep level is because I know you know how to tell good stories because you do it in the comics you do it in the animated films I don't know why in the Sam Hill you can't get your act together with your animated stuff with your live action stuff because honestly Marvel Haiku kind of struggles with getting stories together in comics and in animation right but they just yeah. like and so frustrating yeah, they, they do and i think dc the the Desu 2.0 here has a real chance of of getting something that holds its own weight and i do think there's going to be a market for this stuff i mean look at the cult of personality the cult of personality around christopher nolan like people are still hungry for original ips regardless of what bob Iger is shoving down people's throats in the latest mickey mouse production well not you know, bob Iger like, anymore he he resigned but well he's yeah. He resigned. I think he's back now temporarily. Because no, I think I think he's thing. I think he's the president. I don't know. I don't really care. Oh, so he, I think case, he's on the board, but he's not the CEO. Uh, Bob uh, Shapek is. In any Shapek. case, it's clear that the mouse is going to shovel gruel into us eternally, and I'm really right. hoping that DC <clears throat> has decided. You know what? No gruel. You don't need to watch anything before. Or after this, this is one movie. We hired a director who had an artistic vision for what he wanted this to be. Not all of them are going to be amazing, but they're going to have their own voice. That's what I want. I mean, honestly, like you've got the DC animated universe and it is a like it is a cinematic universe. But honestly, you can go into Apocalypse War not having seen any of the other ones and still follow it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of comic books are, too, even if they follow the same continuity. Yeah. Like, you can pick up a comic series and just start reading it. Yeah. Because... You might have, like, a couple questions, but... Well, like, I mean... You're not, like... I mean, it kind of it kind of gets into, like... Okay. If you wanted to read the comics for something like Infinity War... If you wanted to read the comics for something like Infinity War... You could try and read every single Avengers comic that came out since they debuted, but Infinity War is like a six-comic issue. 
like, and that's what the DC animated universe does so well, is they focus on those short runs of comics that came out in the middle of the huge runs, and they focus on a tightly concise story that started, ended, done, and that's, that's what I want in a movie. I want something that starts, ends, done, and it expanded both your universe, and it made me feel like I knew the characters better. Makes me think of Hamilton. We gotta teach them how to say goodbye. Because <laughs> yeah. no films know how to say goodbye anymore. Yeah. I mean, um, you kind of briefly mentioned this, but that's one thing DC does really well in its comics. Um, like, you've got, like, the ongoing storylines, but those storylines are told through, like, many different comic series that also have their own individual storylines going on. Like, you don't have to read all of them. Like, you can read one through series and not worry about what Batman's doing in Detective Comics. You can just read Justice League comics or whatever. You can read Court of Owls, which is insane, but very good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not mad, DC. I'm just disappointed. I think, yeah, I think that's what it but is. But I see But I'm I hopeful. Hope. Very hopeful hope for you. Very hopeful. You've taken a beating this last decade, but I think you have it in you to come it's, out of this one. Look, I mean, honestly, it comes back. I don't know back, about 1984, but whatever. It comes back. It comes back to what Pa Kent is saying uh, in Man of Steel. Man, when the world finds out what you can do, you're gonna change everything. The world's slowly finding out what you can do, DC. So freaking do it. Um, I, and then they won't do it. And then they do 1984. But that's a whole other yeah, Maybe it'll be good. I, no more nostalgia. Nostalgia's dead. Leave it alone. Maybe 84. To be fair, be we good. don't know how 1984 is going to turn out. Okay. Well, still, let's kill the 80s. Can we Can we be done? It's 2020. It's over. No more 80s. Hey, take it away from me. All right. I'm off my <laughs> soapbox. Um, I... I I do just have, like, a general question. Um, so, I mean, we've all talked about the fact that there are certain DC characters that we would... that we're looking forward to seeing solo movies for or solo outings. Um, if you could tie one DC character to a director and just see what that movie looks like, what is that for y'all? Because, personally, I would love to see a Flash movie directed by Taika Waititi. Um... Or a Green Lantern movie directed by Taika. Either one of those by Taika. You blindsided me with this. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I pulled Uh, pulled a T with Doug G. I pulled a T with Doug G. I didn't have any more questions, so I'm just going to throw this one at you. Oh, I got one. Um, I want to see a true detective Batman movie directed by David Fincher. Mm-hmm. That needs to be right over. With that Nine Inch Nails score, doing the all that, all that garbage, perfect. Just give it straight into my veins. I want it. Um, I don't have a director in mind, um, but I want to see a live action adaptation of um, the Killing Joke, mm. the death of Jason Todd, and his yeah. rebirth as Red Hood. I don't know who would direct that. That's like but. three different storylines, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Um, side Maybe quick, like a, a yeah. short trilogy. Yeah. Quick sidebar, though. Didn't they make The Killing Joke into an animated movie and everyone was excited and it was terrible? Yes. 
and all that you just okay. said happened happened because they added a freaking unnecessary first like oh wait sorry and it looked on. like they had not the, the killing joke like, it looked awful <laughs> Hey, not the killing it joke. didn't look um, great but it was fine oh, okay um live action adaptation of under the red hood sorry gotcha. um wrong animated batman film yeah no it's all good and also i like the killing joke i thought it was good yeah but have you read the comics of the killing joke because they completely uh, shoehorn in a whole romance with batman and batgirl and like well yeah. batman and batgirl batman and batgirl have bat sex and it's okay. so weird. Elijah. Anyway, do you um, have one? <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a director, but my favorite <laughs> underrated superhero from either DC or Marvel is Beast Boy. And I would love to see honestly my dream was not a solo movie, but a buddy movie with Beast Boy and Cyborg and let us see both of their backstories and how they come together and become friends. That's the superhero movie I wanted to see. You bring that up. Um, uh, also, it was Death in the Family is what I was thinking, not The Killing Joke. I knew the, the death or something was in there somehow. Um, you bring up Beast Boy. Something uh, I kind of want to briefly touch on. Um, the DC Universe uh, streaming service tried their hand at live-action TV series. Have any of y'all seen them? No. Yeah, I know there's a weird live-action Teen Titans thing going on. I've watched on. Well, there's Doom Titans. Patrol. I'm a big fan of uh, their take on Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol's cool. Because it is super weird, super out there. Um, but they just lean you get into Alan it. Tudyk playing. Right. They lean into it, and it works like 89% of the time. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's perfect. Uh, it, I think it's far from it. But... Doom Patrol, especially the first season, is really good. Um, if you've got HBO Max, I would recommend it. Because you also get Alan Tudyk playing Mr. Nobody, uh, who is essentially this omnipotent being, and he acknowledges the fact that he's in a TV show, and it's really weird and awesome and fits in perfectly with the tone of the show. Can I also request a live-action Teen Titans movie, almost exactly like the show? And we have this over-the-top build-up moment where they're all thinking it's cool. And then it's like the all-hope-is-lost moment. And then it's the start of Act 3. And they go off and it's just... And it's like the original theme song. And I could just Teen die. Yeah. I am a huge <laughs> fan. I'm a huge fan of that old Teen Titans show. Um, oh, it yeah. was so good. Yeah. Like, it was so good. Maybe DC should just leave it alone. Just recognize that that was a perfect TV series. And don't ever try to remake it. That's fair. You know what? Well, uh, they already did. <laughs> sort of. They already they did. They sort of did, I would yeah. rather not roll the dice, but in a world, if I can spawn into existence and it's good, that's that's what I would bring forth. I'm with you, Mike. <laughs> so now we're going to rank every single DC movie. <laughs> yep. Oh, are we? We're going to use our patented 100-point scale, and we're not just watching... <laughs> we're not just ranking the DC, the DCU, we're also ranking the eight, the 70s Superman movies, the 80s Batman movies, the DC animated universe, and the Nolan movies. Alright, y'all, who wants to go first? Uh, uh, 76, I've 92, seen... 84, 86, 79, <laughs> 69, 23, 43, and 7. Alright, after so we plug that into the, the patented score bam, <laughs> we get nonsense. A number. That's right. Nonsense. 
which is what those ratings would have been. Hey. Because I think with all of us, we've seen some combination of all of those films. We could yeah. probably say our worst and best ones. That one's super easy for me. Okay. Uh, I got to think of what my favorite one is. Well, so yeah, I'll y'all, go. y'all are go ahead. Counting, yeah. Are we counting Joker in the DC, in the DCU? Yeah, it's all of the DCU live action films. Okay. Okay, so only live action. Yeah, let's just stick with live action films. But we're not best counting. Best one is Man of Steel, the worst. Okay. Yeah. But we're not counting like Dark Knight or 80s or no. 7. Okay, yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, Man of Steel up. Okay. Best one, Man of Steel, worst one Justice. Okay. Easy. I know my answer. Um uh easily the worst one was the Justice League because like we said, uh Mike and I both feel the same way. That was the most disappointing film that we've ever seen. Um I think my favorite DCEU movie is actually Man of Steel. It was the only one I could bring myself to rewatch in preparation for this. However, I still have not seen Shazam, which I after I, think I you see would really it, like Shazam. After I see Shazam, I may change my mind. Um, I also haven't seen Aquaman because I pretty much made up my mind I was not going to like that movie. I watched the trailer. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have. It's cool. I I rolled my eyes I, so hard it hurt. So but Elijah, we have it. Elijah, we have. Welcome aboard. Or permission to come aboard. We have that. I also want to share... villains. I want to share really quickly that I did like Wonder Woman. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I have hope for Wonder Woman 84. And although I am glad I saw Joker, and I think it's worth seeing, I very much think it's overrated. I think Joaquin does a really good job. I... Don't think it's a good script. A good performance does not make a great movie. Right. And that's a uh, great so performance, for me, not, not perfect movie. Right. Uh, so for me, least favorite... Honestly, I can't decide between Justice League and Suicide Squad. Um, like, as disappointed as y'all were with Justice League, I think I was about that disappointed with Suicide Squad. Because honestly, I expected Suicide Squad to be... A much better movie than I expected Justice League to be. Yeah, I did too, actually. Fair. Um, so I it's think Suicide hurt. Squad was a bigger letdown for me personally. Uh, so I think I'm going to give the edge to that. As far as favorite, honestly, uh, Doug, I know you're going to be happy with this. I think I'm going to say Shazam. Damn right, because Shazam is also that might be recency bias because I just watched it like a couple hours ago, but. <laughs> It's a fun movie. It's the best uh, by I default. Think Levi does a great job. It's the best by um, default. Mark Strong does a great job as the villain in that movie. Um, also, Mark Strong. Though, I'm not going to lie. Right. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching it, I totally thought it was Stanley Tucci. Uh, then I looked up the cast and like, oh, that's Mark Strong. But also, really the Tooch. Right. It made me think of the Tooch, which I was here for. Yeah, uh, Shazam is my favorite. DC is my favorite DCU movie. Uh, least favorite, not mentioned here, which is kind of weird. Batman v Superman because okay. it it screws up so many things and also commits the cardinal sin of film, which is it is boring. It is so freaking boring. Mm-hmm. I will I, say, I, if we are expanding to the animated films, uh, my favorite would be Batman Under the Red Hood. Because that is a quality movie. 
I do think it's worth noting that I, I feel like a lot of people in the public sphere think that Joker is the best of these movies. Just want to note that that one has aged really poorly on me. It's, it's I, right in the middle of the pack. I watched it again. I, watched it. I watched it again recently, and I think the exact same thing. Like, literally. I have not watched it since my first time. Literally, the only thing that I'm like, okay, that's good, are very specific moments with just Joaquin in them, or with very limited character interactions. The movie as a whole does not work. Yeah, it's it's not a good movie. It's but very Phoenix messy. It's incredible, so it ends up being like a net good. Yeah. All right, well, I think that will wrap up our uh, conversation on the Dessou. But, you know, we talked a lot about Christopher Nolan this week. And honestly, I'm just not ready to stop talking about him. You're saying he has so, a certain You're saying he has a certain prestige to him? <laughs> are you saying he has a certain tenacity to stay around? <laughs> oh, that Do, one was Are good. you saying he has a certain <laughs> Are you saying he provides your life with certain mementos? We're saying okay. that or has next... he incepted himself into your mind? Are you We're saying, saying that, that his week... films are interstellar? good. I hate to be such a Dunkirk about it. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> are you saying okay, he's Mike, such a... Okay, Mike, I'll give you a... that one. The rest of those were not very are good. Are you saying he's such uh, a Dark yeah, Next week trilogy? we're talking about... Doug just... <laughs> uh, but yes, next week we're talking about... Um, honestly, what has probably become my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Uh, we're talking about The Prestige. Starring Christian Bale, uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, Sir Michael Caine, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, it is David an incredible Bowie. movie. Dave, yeah, David, David Bowie. Yeah, really? he's Bowie. he's Tesla. Yeah. Oh, I think I knew that, but uh, I don't know. It's been a minute since I've seen it. I'm really excited to watch it again, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the Prestige. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You are always welcome to come back. Uh, but yeah, be sure to keep up with us on social media at Vider Media. And we will see y'all next year. Because it's the last podcast of the year. I can make that joke. Anyways, ent- yeah. until next year, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And I'm Michael. And this has been Setting the Skein. Y'all have a great week.